Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. such scrutiny and such high standards. The big lie is just that, a big lie. The 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. It's unrelenting. And we're going to challenge it vigorously. While While this broad assault against voting rights is not unprecedented, it's taking on a new and literally pernicious forms. It's no longer just about who gets to vote or making it easier for eligible voters to vote. It's about who gets to count the vote. Who gets to count whether or not your vote counted at all. It's about moving from independent election administrators who work for the people to polarize state legislatures and partisan actors who work for political parties. To me, this is simple. This is election subversion. It's the most dangerous threat to voting and the integrity of free and fair elections in our history. Never before have they decided who gets to count. Count. What votes count. Some, some state legislators want to make it harder I've said it before, we're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War. The Confederates, back then, never breached the Capitol, as insurrectionists did on January the 6th. I'm not saying this to alarm you. I'm saying this because you should be alarmed. He'll also decry efforts to strip the right to vote as authoritarian and anti-American uh, as a, uh, and stand up against the notion that politicians should be allowed to choose their voters or to subvert our system by replacing independent election authorities with partisan ones. And he will highlight the work of the administration against this, the necessity of passing the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, and how we need to work together with civil rights organizations to build as broad a turnout and voter education system to overcome the worst challenge to our democracy since the Civil War. Here's the problem. The people who believe the big lie get their information from a network that still calls itself a news network, though... Um, it doesn't take the president's speeches, and today was no different. They noted that President Biden was speaking, but they never took the sound up. They were too busy covering Bill Gates' divorce. Uh. 
And so the people will not hear, I mean, a, a large chunk of the country will not hear President Biden's message that there, that democracy is basically, you know, in some states being threatened or stolen before our very eyes. Yeah, it's a, it was a remarkably important message. Uh, it, it could only have been, I think, more solemn if it had been delivered during prime time from in a warehouse, except it's not true. It now appears there actually was meaningful voter fraud in Fulton County, Georgia, last November. That is not a conspiracy theory. It's true. From the beginning, this show has tried to be fact-based when we talk about the 2020 election results. So here's what we know tonight, factually. At least 36 batches of mail-in ballots from the November election were double-counted in Fulton County. That's a total of more than 4,000 votes. Those numbers come from a group called Voter GA, which, along with Bob Cheely, sued to get them. The final tally from the double counts we know about amounts to more than 3,300 votes for Joe Biden and 865 votes for Donald Trump. Now, before you dismiss Bob Cheely and voter GA as dishonest partisan actors, keep in mind that the strongly left of center Atlanta Journal-Constitution appears to agree with this, at least in outline. The newspaper reviewed the available digital ballot images independently and concluded that hundreds of ballots were improperly duplicated. What does that look like exactly? Well, here's what it looks like. At a press conference yesterday, a consultant with Voter GA called David Cross showed how we can be certain that votes in Fulton County were counted more than once. Watch. Voting rights showdown. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. President Biden blasts Republican-led efforts to restrict voting. President Biden this morning raising the stakes in the fight over voting rights. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. The president, passionate and pointed. President Biden says Republican attempts to restrict voting are the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. President Biden is condemning Republican efforts to restrict voting access, calling it the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. In the birthplace of American democracy, Philadelphia, President Biden delivering his most forceful condemnation yet, likening Republican-led efforts to restrict voting to the Jim Crow South. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy. But we begin tonight with a storm brewing over voting rights across this country. President Biden late today in Philadelphia, the birthplace of American democracy, blasting what he calls attacks on voting rights. Republican-led efforts in more than 16 states across the country. The president and that warning calling it the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War, saying these new laws aim to limit whether or not your vote counts at all, and calling out continuing efforts to discredit the 2020 election, saying the big lie is just that, a big lie. Tonight, the governor of Texas saying he plans to arrest the Democratic lawmakers who left his state for Washington in an effort to block a vote in Texas that they say will restrict access. Those lawmakers asking Congress to act to protect voting rights in their state and across this country. So where is this all headed? And bottom line tonight, do Democrats, does the president have the votes he needs in the Senate to do anything about this? ABC's Rachel Scott leading us off from the Hill tonight. Today, President Biden traveling to the birthplace of American democracy to fight back against the Republican effort to restrict voting rights, calling it the most dangerous threat to voting in our history. 
Well, tonight, new voting restrictions in Texas are on hold, with Democratic lawmakers blocking passage by hunkering down 1,500 miles away here in Washington. And President Biden is speaking out forcefully against Republicans who've already changed election laws in more than a dozen other states. CBS's Nancy Cordes reports from the White House. We must act and we will act for our cause is just. Speaking with unusual fervor in Philadelphia, President Biden accused Republican leaders of embracing autocracy. Good evening. The questions of when, where and how Americans get to vote are tonight taking on greater urgency. In some of his strongest language yet, President Biden today blasting Republican efforts to restrict voting access as un-American and a test of our democracy and directly addressing the false claims of rigged voting in the 2020 election. The president facing pressure within his party to do more to stop a wave of Republican-led state voting laws that Democrats say are aimed at suppressing voting by minorities. Meantime, a move by Democratic lawmakers in Texas to block passage of new voting laws there has Republicans calling for their arrests. Chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander has details. President Biden tonight in Philadelphia. We were just listening to a stirring speech there from President Biden talking about the moment this country finds itself in, in what he is describing an outright assault on democracy, the right to vote and liberty. Some strong words there from the president talking about uh, the threatening situation, drawing a direct line between this country's long history of voter disenfranchisement up until what we're seeing play out uh, on uh, the streets today in America. This was quite a stirring speech. The president and I had seen some of the coverage in terms of what we were anticipating, but certainly uh, a very strong emotional gut punch to the country to try and get people's attention that what is happening right now is very dangerous for the sake of our democracy. After outlining the very threats he sees, uh, the biggest threat to our election integrity, as he put it, since the Civil War, he said, speaking to the intended audience of the speech, I say these things not to alarm you, but because you should be alarmed. Democracy held is what the president said. His exact words, democracy held. Democracy held in 2020, Eamon, but the fear among President Biden and many Democrats here is that it may not in 2022 and 2024 unless major federal voting rights legislation is enacted. He kind of drew this long line of American history of voter disenfranchisement from uh, the enslavement of African-Americans who were not allowed to vote up until the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendment to women's rights to ultimately the KKK, Jim Crow, even talking about the 2013 Supreme Court decision and even recent uh, decisions. President of the United States and his staff don't know any history. Under Jim Crow, you could not vote at all if you were a black person. You could not get an education. You could not apply for certain kinds of jobs. If you looked the wrong way, you would be lynched. Please, a little modesty here uh, in your characterizations uh, and, a, and a little uh, realism. As the administration tries to figure out the root causes of migration to the country, don't we know that the reason people want to leave Cuba is because they don't like communism? We and so as you're trying to figure out like what the processes are uh, for these people who want to leave Cuba, just well, well, I'm not sure what your question is. You guys, why are people leaving time. Cuba, or what is the process for them getting here? I can explain either of them, but you tell sure, me. Yeah. Do you think that people are leaving Cuba because they don't like communism? 
I think we've been pretty clear that we think people are leaving Cuba or not leaving Cuba or protesting in the streets all as well because uh, they are opposed to the oppression, to the mismanagement of the government in the country. And we certainly support their right to protest. We support uh, their efforts to speak out against their treatment in Cuba. We, of course, are monitoring closely. You saw the, 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 the statement the president, uh, we put out in the president's name this morning uh, front, uh, in, in his voice, of course, uh, conveying his support for the people of Cuba. They're hiding it right now. So what exactly are they doing? Tonight we have new information for you that answers that question, at least in part. This show has confirmed that the Biden administration has enlisted the U.S. military to move illegal immigrants secretly around our country. That is happening at Laughlin Air Force Base in Texas. We know it's happening there because a man called Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Burroughs sent his subordinates an email spelling it out very clearly. Quote, over the next few days, weeks or months, the note began, you may see passenger aircraft on our ramp transporting undocumented non-citizens. Please review the attached public affairs guidance on the issue. Burroughs' email then instructed uniformed military personnel to hide what was happening on the base from the country they're sworn to serve. Quote, do not take photographs and refrain from posting anything on social media. Now, Lieutenant Colonel Burroughs offered no national security justification for keeping any of this secret because there is no national security justification for keeping it from the rest of us. He just told the people who work for him not to talk. Now, we got his email from a whistleblower, and at first we doubted it could be real. During the last administration, you'll remember, the Pentagon firmly refused to protect America's southern border. That's not our job, they said. It's too political. Send us to Syria. And yet, according to this document, here was the very same U.S. military leadership at the Pentagon helping the Biden administration with maximum enforced stealth, with secrecy, to subvert this country's core immigration laws. It was hard to believe that could be happening, but it is happening. The Pentagon has confirmed it to us. Spokesman Chris Mitchell described the flights from Lachlan as non-citizen movement, part of what he called the U.S. Immigration and Custom Enforcement's mission. He told us then to direct any further questions to ICE. So we did. We called ICE multiple times. ICE did not deny they were using Lachlan Air Force Base to relocate large numbers of foreign nationals into the interior of our country and do it secretly. The question is, where are all these people going? Several times, ICE promised us additional details, but in the end, we never heard back. Apparently, Americans do not have a right to know where foreign nationals are being resettled in their own country. We do know, thanks to the Center for Immigration Studies, that the administration, the Biden administration, has been sending illegal migrants all over the United States for some time now. Watch this. What's happening most of the time? And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It's the 15th of July, year of our Lord, 2021. I know it's a long intro, 14 minutes, but I, the whole show changed. I mean, I was going to cover the Biden stuff and then the Tucker segment, which we're about to play in full. The media sycophancy on, do you have no shame? He threw out every catch line ever. We got a little bit of Cuba. We have the immigration thing, which is against the law. And I played the whole thing because it's against the law. Who's the fascist? Today's show is going to be at a faster pace than usual. I got an interview. Yeah, I applied for a manager job at a tactical store. 
and actually got a call. So hopefully I won't say what the company is or big name. I'll uh, make the cut, go back to work, and you'll start getting weekend podcasts like we used to do. Or, well, I used to do them from the road, but we'll see. So uh, first and foremost, I want to play um, both of those. Well, I just played them moving people, which is illegal. All right. So before we say, well, no, it's not illegal, Tony. Uh, when Donald Trump sent troops to the border, uh, military times had to do stuff like this. The federal law limits what U.S. troops deployed at the border can do. They were so worried and upset that he was doing that. Instead, the role will largely mirror that of the existing National Guard. About 2,000 all deployed the border over six months, including providing helicopter support for border missions, installing concrete barriers, and repairing maintaining vehicles. The new troops will include military police, combat engineers, helicopter companies equipped with advanced technology to detect people. The extraordinary military operation comes a week before the November 6th midterm elections. On Tuesday, he stepped up as his evasion. I see it as a political stunt, a waste, and they talked about it, but they said, hey, you can't do this. Then you read another one. Um, is it illegal to transport undocumented? Uh, answer. A federal law does exist that makes it a crime to transport or attempt to transport a non-citizen within the U.S., but it's meant to cover narrower situations than when you are describing. The law is found with the Immigration and Nationality Act, Section 274A1AII. In order to convict someone under this section of law, the defendant transport or attempt to transport a non-citizen citizen within the U.S. The non-citizen was in the U.S. in violation of U.S. law. The defendant is aware that the non-citizen was in the U.S. unlawfully. The defendant acted willfully in furtherance of non-citizen's legal violation. So for a citizen, you can't do it. Now, am I saying these soldiers? No. Also, under 1907 Title 8 U.S.C. 1324A offenses, it is illegal for the military to move citizens. They can't do it. And as you saw in the video, this is why people are worried about the woke. You got generals. You will not talk about this. The saddest thing is this whistleblower blower's gone. All right? They are going to get court-martialed. You, you can't do that. All right? So they're done. I guess that's a little too far. Sorry, my camera moved. They're done. They're just done. So, you know, at first it was, oh, wow, they're moving them by bus. Oh, wow, they're just dropping people. Now it's a government effort to change demographics. That's the purpose. And so what do we have? Because Tucker Carlson keeps doing this. My wife even said it, man, they're going to kill him. I mean, I wouldn't put it past these people. That's how that their agenda is so ironclad. I fear for Tucker Carlson's life because he keeps putting this stuff out. He's going to get shanked. How Tucker Carlson became the voice of white grievance. WAPO ran on yesterday because they probably knew he was going to do it. They also ran yesterday, Republicans are dismantling the right to vote, but they're enshrined the right to infect. That's Dana Milbank. So, let's think about it for a second. You have a President of the United States running up rhetoric that is total false. It's based on nothing. With the media supporting it, have you no shame? You saw it. I mean, 
Is this not what I talked about in the last podcast? Not that I'm saying I'm a clairvoyant or something, but goddamn, dude. What the fucking fuck? Saranovich. And we're not going to have fancy pictures today because I don't have time, so I apologize. Democrats sent a threatening 30-page letter to try to disrupt the Arizona vote audit. At first, I told people the audits wouldn't show anything. Democrats had changed my mind. No idea what they're hiding. Garland in June with anonymous threats against Arizona audit. Today, House Democrats issued 13-page threatening letter. This is this is him talking. I think we played it on the show. And avoid the intimidation of voters. Intimidation of voters. And then you get this segment in full from Tucker Carlson. In a warehouse. Except it's not true. It now appears there actually was meaningful voter fraud in Fulton County, Georgia, last November. That is not a conspiracy theory. It's true. From the beginning, this show has tried to be fact-based when we talk about the 2020 election results. So here's what we know tonight, factually. At least 36 batches of mail-in ballots from the November election were double-counted in Fulton County. That's a total of more than 4,000 votes. Those numbers come from a group called Voter GA, which, along with Bob Cheely, sued to get them. The final tally from the double counts we know about amounts to more than 3,300 votes for Joe Biden and 865 votes for Donald Trump. Now, before you dismiss Bob Cheely and Voter GA as dishonest partisan actors, keep in mind that the strongly left-of-center Atlanta Journal-Constitution appears to agree with this, at least in outline. The newspaper reviewed the available digital ballot images independently and concluded that hundreds of ballots were improperly duplicated. What does that look like exactly? Well, here's what it looks like. At a press conference yesterday, a consultant with Voter GA called David Cross showed how we can be certain that votes in Fulton County were counted more than once. Watch. What I'm going to show you here is two ballots side by side. One of them is marked for Jason Shaw, and it's got a little squiggle mark next to it. You can see it's got the identical mark on the second one. And the ballot image is stored up here on the top left. So this one over here is scanner 5162, that's scanner number three, fax number 235, image number 19. And that matches 234, image 59. So you have the same ballot counted twice in the images and counted in the audit. How that's possible, I don't know. How's that possible? I don't know. Every American should want to know because the answer gets to the heart of the integrity of our elections, otherwise known as our democracy. We're not talking about a couple of ballots here. We're talking about a lot of ballots, at least hundreds of ballots involved enough potentially to affect the outcome of the election. Here's another example. Here's one of the next ones. All right, so same fact, number 234, image number two, and 235, image number 61, Republican, 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 all the way down to the point where this little spot up in Fannie Willis matches this one over here. There's no question that that ballot was counted twice. So what's the explanation for this? Well, if you ask Fulton County, these discrepancies, the ones you just saw on the screen, were isolated incidents. Just a handful of bad ballots happens all the time. The county claims that any errors were caught in previous recounts. The problem is that neither one of those claims is true. 
Surveillance footage obtained by voter GA appears to show large numbers of ballots being scanned multiple times. Pay attention in the tape we're showing you to the woman wearing yellow at the desk. According to voter GA, she slides ballots into a scanning machine, removes the ballots, and then reinserts the same ballots. This happens multiple times. The question is, how many times were those ballots counted? Was each vote counted more than once? Fulton County won't answer that question. Now, one way to know the answer would be to check what are called audit tally sheets. Tellingly, for months after the presidential election, Fulton County failed to provide more than 100,000 of those tally sheets, including 50,000 of them for mail-in ballots. When voter GA finally forced Fulton County to turn over the tally sheets, the conclusion was stunning. Here's what the audit found, quote, seven falsified audit tally sheets containing fabricated vote totals. For example, a batch containing 59 actual ballot images for Joe Biden and 42 for Donald Trump was reported as 100 for Biden and zero for Trump. The seven batches of ballot images with 554 votes for Joe Biden, 140 votes for Donald Trump and 11 votes for Joe Jorgensen had tally sheets in the audit falsified to show 850 votes for Biden, zero votes for Trump, and zero votes for Jorgensen. Wait, did you just follow that? How is that not flat-out criminal fraud? We'd love to know because it certainly sounds like flat-out criminal fraud. We've obtained photographs showing what went on during the recount process for mail-in ballots in Fulton County. These pictures were taken by a whistleblower who participated in the recount. She said she noticed something odd as she did. None of the ballots that she saw had any creases on them. You can see the stacks of unfolded ballots on your screen now. That's strange because, of course, mail-in ballots need to be bent in order to be mailed in. These ballots clearly had never been inside an envelope. And then the whistleblower noticed something else. All of the ballots, the whistleblower tells us, have been filled out by a printer, not by hand. And many of them supported the exact same candidates, Democrats, including Joe Biden. Voter GA detected a series of other apparent irregularities in the recount. The group's audit found, for example, that, quote, over 200 Fulton County mail-in ballot images contained votes that were not included in the hand count audit results for the November election. Now, why is that? We don't know. Keep in mind, once again, the results in the state of Georgia were decided by fewer than 13,000 votes. It was a close race. Every vote mattered. And then there's this. An elections expert called Mark Davis analyzed data from the post office. He found that nearly 35,000 Georgia voters moved out of their county of residence more than a month prior to Election Day. They were ineligible to vote, and yet they did. They still voted in their old county. That is illegal. It's not a small thing. Violating election law is something we should care about. And by law, their vote should have been excluded from the total. But they were not excluded. Why are we okay with that? Why are we okay with any of this? Well, we're okay with it because we've been told we have to be okay with it. We're undermining democracy if we ask questions about what happened during the 2020 election. And of course, that's a perfect inversion of the truth. Without answers to legitimate questions like the ones we just posed, and those are legitimate questions, democracy dies. People begin to understand that the system they've been told is on the level is in fact rigged. And when they believe that, God knows what they do next. So let's find out what actually happened. Let's find out immediately. Let's find out without shame. It's our right to know. It's our responsibility to know. John Voight is one of the best known actors in the world. We talk. Allow me to be clear. If you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States.
the time is never right to attempt migration by sea. To those who risk their lives doing so, this risk is not worth taking. Again, I repeat, do not risk your life attempting to enter the United States illegally. You will not come to the United States. Now, I put the DHS on the background. And there's a reason why I put it there. So anybody from the border south who predominantly votes Democrat can come in this country, but Cubans can't. And now you know why I played the media and the bumper. Not, I mean, it's just a vile lie. Biden says Trump supporters are the worst slave-owning Confederates. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. The Confederates back then never breached the Capitol as the insurrection did. You can't oppose H.R. 1 and 1-6. You should be alarmed, but if you're not alarmed, don't be alarmed because I'm not saying this is to alarm you. That's not hyperbole, Biden Vice President Harris and I will be making it clear that there's real peril in making raw power than the idea of liberty, the centerpiece of common life. What does that even fucking mean? You had CNN, all right? CNN literally upset Camerata because Fox wasn't saying the same things they are. And the vilification of the GOP in every media form. I'm going to get to my point in a second. Biden changes up the messaging strategy around his infrastructure agenda, writes Politico. Politico also had an article. Oh, hey, um, uh, most voters don't know the good stuff. And then it's released by Brian Seltzer. Biden will participate in a CNN town hall on Wednesday, July 21st in Cincinnati, Ohio, a little more than six months after being sworn into office. Don Lemon will be the moderator. Don Lemon. So you tie this all in and you stare at it and you go, my God. So while they're saying it's the big lie and basically channeling Goebbels, it's what we thought it was. I mean, this is all what we thought it was. Really think about it. We all said something was wrong. We stopped counting all at the same times. But only in key states. We just stopped. And yeah, for the video today, it's going to suck because you're literally watching me do what I used to do while we were doing the audio. When it was an audio-only show, I'd be opening pages and clicking around and doing a bunch of shit. And it was less video. So I apologize for today, but I'm behind the power curve. Because my intent was to wake up and do pictures and set up the show like I always do. But then, yeah, I I got an interview. So, sorry. But they're saying it's the big lie. And we don't need all these laws. 
And while he's simultaneously saying, we're going to say who's going to count, when you read these, all it's doing is going back to pre-COVID. That's all it is, all right? Pre-COVID. It's saying vote checkers got to be able to see the check. Because, folks, this during the weeks after, there was hundreds of videos of Dems saying, we are cooking the books, and people saying, I saw people in back rooms running, 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 running. They said it. Now, I, I know we had multiple conversations on this show. You know, we we talked about uh, my Never Trump friends. We, we, we talked about, you know, how they believed it was just this, that, and the other thing. 81 million votes. But they're not in the right spot. And he wins Georgia by 13,000, 20,000, 30,000 in these key states. And they stopped counting. There was some shenanigans. There have been hundreds of people. And we're going to get to the Texas because it's going to be the one I am going to have pictures for. There's people all over the place. We just played it. Double voting and doing stuff. And you say, well, it's only 3,500 votes in Fulton County. You only won by 13,000. That's just one county. And that's the county that they said, oh, well, pipe broke. I mean, if you truly believe Biden won, After what happened that night, I I don't know what to say to you because you wouldn't believe it if it was Trump. Yes, Biden Biden would have got more votes nationally than Trump. But when you look at what he improved on demographics, you looked at what he improved on vote-wise, he got more votes than Hillary Clinton, and yet he still lost by millions. And five key states stopped counting and then mysteriously start counting and the vote totals that we all watched, because you can tell me it didn't happen, but I saw it with my eyes. Hundred thousands, nothing for Trump. Just that one segment in there with the stacks of ballots. Just look at the stacks of ballots. Those are absentee ballots, and they don't come in flat. Every stack you saw on that video was perfectly flat paper. It did not look like this. That That's what something folded looks like. Even if it was a big envelope. But every ballot I've ever done, because I absenteed ballot until 2004, looks like this. It makes you understand why they're doing HR1. It makes you understand why they have this rhetoric that's totally over the top. It's not true. Fuck's sake, man. Shut up with the big lie. Jim Crow, Civil War, 9-11. Especially when you have this. 
I want my phone call. Okay, what am I even doing here? I've done nothing. Nothing? We found this in your home. You terrorists are all the same. Terrorists? Wait, am I being charged with something? Clearly you've been plotting to attack American naval assets. And more. More? Yes, more. You're also being charged with counterfeiting and a real estate fraud scam operation. And more. This is ridiculous. What, there's more? There's more. And conspiracy to commit murder and illegal possession of a candle. This is ridiculous. I've got a clue for you. You're going to jail. And there's more. There's more? There's more. What kind of a sick, twisted pervert has this in his home? Come on, man. I got that for my kids. For his kids. You sick son of a bitch. Get him out of here. We'll fight it. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the hours-long attack. They beat a Capitol Police officer to death with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the fight. He died at the age of 42 after he was bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. We are more than a year out from the midterms, but Democrats are already facing an uphill climb. President Biden just met with Eric Adams, New York City's Democratic nominee for mayor, after he ran a tough-on-crime campaign. It comes as cities across the country are grappling with a serious surge in violent crime. Now Republicans, like former President Trump, are seizing on that to and seizing on that and trying to tie Democrats and their defund the police messaging to heading into next year, claiming that messaging is the reason for this spike in crime. It's very bad news for Democrats with a razor thin House majority and a tie in the Senate and several red states picking up congressional seats after last year's census. Rachel, Democrats want to rewrite the rules here. Re Republicans, they're already bending them. If Democrats do not fight back, what are the odds of a red wave? Republicans are really, really good at branding irrelevant of what the truth is, and they've got media networks that prop this up, media networks that are considered news. I can't imagine a stronger, more robust, more robust speech. The question is, how do you turn the speech, trying to galvanize people using the bully pulpit, traditional means, into a real battle with people who, he said, have you no shame? The answer is no. They don't have shame. A lot of these these people, these you know, Republicans, conservatives, unless the president is going to go another step and going to say we need to actually change rules in the United States Senate to get this done so the federal government can have more of an impact. What he basically was doing was taking kind of a butter knife to a fight against a nuclear bomb. The oratory was brilliant. The emotion was palpable. But at the end of the day, he didn't mention filibuster. At the end of the day, he didn't mention cinema and mansion. I mean, I thought the speech was great. I thought the delivery was great. I thought the backdrop was great. But we've been here before. I think that was part of a tool to convince and to push back on some of these Republicans in these states to say that what they are doing is not based on anything. It's not that there was fraud in one of these states, and that's why you're seeing some lawmakers, some state lawmakers, talk about the need to overhaul it. There is none of that. And so President Biden was really going after to say that it's baseless what they are basing all of this is on. The people who believe the big lie get their information from a network that still calls itself a news network, though 
Um, it doesn't take the president's speeches, and today was no different. They noted that President Biden was speaking, but they never took the sound up. They were too busy covering Bill Gates's divorce. Uh. And so the people will not hear, I mean, a, a large chunk of the country will not hear President Biden's message that there, that democracy is basically, you know, in some states, being threatened or... I want to start with you, um, Representative Turner. Um, first, I have to talk to you about this threat to have you all arrested when you return to Texas and supposedly to track you down like the Fugitive Slave Act is still in force now. What do you make of that, those threats? Well, what you're doing is showing, uh, you know, with all due respect to, I know we do have a, a, a D.C. Democrat uh, that works on Capitol Hill uh, on with us, but showing Democrats here in the Capitol how to fight. Um, you met with the vice president today. You were part of the group that met with her. Did you leave that meeting feeling that you have a commitment that Democrats in D.C. will fight as hard as y'all are fighting? You all are taking the risks um, that, you know, I think that the base of the Democratic Party wants to see taken all around the country. Congress used its power of compulsion to force my state, Colorado, to lower their speed limit to 55. They sure didn't want to do it, but they said, well, you don't get your highway funds if you don't do it. There's a lot of power of compulsion that the federal government has. I, I think a lot of people that are watching this show do not understand why the powers of compulsion are not being used to force these states back, to push them back, or to get the um, federal le voting legislation passed. You know, you have maybe 10 senators who want to keep the filibuster. They seem to be clinging to that more than they are to democracy. They don't seem to have any urgency. They don't have the urgency you just described. Why would you go along with voting for their infrastructure bill? Manchin really wants that. Why don't some of you senators say, well, you don't get our votes on your precious infrastructure bill that you need for your politics if you don't give up the filibuster? Or why not say, you know, there's got to be something Kristen Cinema wants other than to be on TV and mock, um, you know, uh, the, the, her, her own base. Why don't you say to her, you want my vote on this? <laughs> you don't get it. You don't get your 50. You don't get your... The media really wished that the whole debate over critical race theory would just go away. State after state, Fox News and Republicans, conservatives have whipped up a moral panic about so-called critical race theory. This is just the latest outrage device over at Fox, is it not? A bad faith effort by Republicans to make critical race theory a wedge issue. By the way, critical race theory is enormously useful. It's a graduate level construct. It's not taught in K through 12. Again, it is not being taught in grade schools. No one is teaching critical race theory K through 12. Just to be clear, can you just repeat it? It is a law school tech. What is critical race theory? What is critical race theory? I suspect it's not as major an issue as we've made it out to be in the media. What even is critical race theory? Nobody knows. It's too high level. What is anything? Seriously, it's like they're scared to admit it even exists. And did I hear Chris Hayes say so-called critical race theory? Chris, the right didn't come up with that name. The academics you're defending did. You see what they're doing here, right? They're basically defining critical race theory as this extremely niche, high-level academic theory so they can claim that kids aren't learning it in school. But they can define it however they want, but to the average person, critical race theory is a catch-all term for all the familiar 1619 project-type ideas. White privilege, institutional and structural racism, the idea that America is inherently racist, you get the idea. Are kids being taught that in school? Absolutely, unequivocally, yes. Joy Reid may not think so, but the teachers sure do. Racism is systematic. So it's impossible to be systematically racist to white people in an American society. Teaching that systemic racism exists 
isn't in itself a racist practice. That is the first step toward healing, which this country desperately needs. I am part of the equity and racial justice team at my school district and have been mentoring students of color who have been leading these changes in our district. They have implemented new curriculum that is unwhitewashed. These children's quote unquote history books are so problematic. When kids learned about the American Revolution, we learned about one black man on the front of the book and everybody else in here is white. Even though I'm a kindergarten teacher, I am very active in education reform. In honor of the anniversary of George Floyd's death, let's have a hot take on education. Let's talk about how schools marginalize African-American students. There is going to be a right side of history and a wrong side of history. When you stay out of it, you're on the wrong side. Huh. Sure sounds like they're talking about critical race theory. Maybe Chris can have one of them on his show to explain to them how that's not actually what they're doing. Until that happens, though, consider doing your own research into what a bunch of suits on TV try to tell you about the world. And, hey, maybe consider skimming through your kids' textbooks when they get home from school. Also... It was a lie from the beginning. The insurrection whole, this whole thing was made out of whole cloth. What they did was wrong, and there was some tussling with police, and some people broke in. Very few. The doors were open. They walked around. It was trespassing. Nobody was murdered. And then right after everything, everything, it just lie after lie after lie after lie, coupled in more lies. It just, it just... I don't even understand how you can't stare at it and go, they're trying too hard. They're trying to make January 6th something it wasn't while simultaneously making any law that just says you have to prove who the fuck you are, which 70% of America wants, expands hours and says you just can't vote two weeks after an election. You can't have drop boxes everywhere. It has to be approved. You can't do ballot harvesting. These are all things Democrats wanted before they found the perfect way to rig an election. I mean, if Donald Trump, and and once again, uh, Greg Gutfeld has the best stuff on this. He, he just nails it every night. If Donald Trump would have said, we're going to extend voting um, because of COVID and sorry, my, my sinuses are trashed. Um, we're going to mail out every roll, regardless of people vote in person or if they don't vote in person, we're going to let those votes count for seven days after they just have to be postmarked by the day of the election. None of that would fly. None of it. You would say he's stealing the election. But that's exactly what the liberals did. If Donald Trump would have directed red states to go around their legislature and change 80 voting laws to accomplish all this, the media and the left, it wouldn't fly. But when you fortify elections, like Time said, and you make sure there's no way your guy can lose... Well, it all makes sense to you. And then 
There's this. What the fucking fuck is this? What is this? Biden world has taken a more aggressive approach to combat vaccine fear-mongering by conservative forces. That includes calling on SMS carriers to met out false text messages and social media fact-checking. Please tell me this is a typo. Also planning to engage fact-checkers more aggressively and work with SMS carriers to dispel misinformation about vaccines that is sent over social media and text messages. Sorry, just making sure I have this straight. The DNC now wants companies to police text messages for context. Can someone help me out here? Who authorized anyone to read my text message? There's 84 quotes. How is this not suppression of First Amendment? They want to censor your text messages. Seriously, why does Joe Biden sound like a communist dictator? How? How can you look at this, even if you hated Trump, and go, what? What, what, what? How? When you have this kind of rhetoric every day on TV. And we begin with a deadly escalation of anti-vaccine propaganda in politics and on TV that is risking and costing American lives. 45 states are seeing a sharp rise in new infections due largely to the Delta variant, 10% higher than the previous week. And in 34 states, new cases are up 50%, 50% higher than last week. Officials attribute that to the unvaccinated population and the rise of the highly transmissible Delta variant. 99% of the people dying from COVID right now are unvaccinated, more than 99% in fact. An emergency room doctor told us this week that all of the sick COVID patients he is seeing are unvaccinated, all of them. And yet to some, this is just a show, a deadly show. It makes you think, once you think about it, that maybe none of this is really about COVID. Maybe it's about social control. And this has never, Sean, been about following the science. It's never been about following the facts and the truth. It's been about control from day one. I mean, how, I, I, I don't, th- this is the, I think, I honestly think this is the greatest scandal of my lifetime by far. I thought the Iraq war was, it seems much bigger than that. 607,771 Americans have died of the coronavirus. More than 99% of the people dying from COVID right now are unvaccinated. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, but when I've always thought about vaccines and I always think about just nature and the way everything works. And, and I feel like a vaccination in, in a weird way is just generally kind of going against nature. Like, I mean, if, if there is some disease out there, maybe there's just an ebb and flow to life where something's supposed to wipe out a certain amount of people. And that's just kind of the way evolution goes. Vaccines kind of stand in the way of that. 607,771 Americans have died of coronavirus. 99% of the people dying right now are unvaccinated. So maybe it doesn't work and they're simply not telling you that. Well, you hate to think that, especially if you've gotten two shots. But what's the other potential explanation? In Los Angeles, where cases are up right now, none, none of the hospitals has admitted a single COVID patient 
who was fully vaccinated. The director says, quote, at this point, this really is a preventable illness, a preventable infection. This truly is the optional portion of the pandemic. To underscore that point, the Biden administration is sending people to communities to educate those who are misinformed or maybe skeptical of the vaccine. They're not showing up to force needles. The Biden administration is about to take their pressure campaign to your doorstep. Now, Republican officials are already pushing back, and this is great. Missouri's Governor Mike Parson politely told the feds to take their vaccine evangelization elsewhere. Don't come knocking on my door with your Fauci outie. You leave us the hell alone. And now they're starting to talk about going door to door to be able to take vaccines to the people. Think about the, what those mechanisms could be used for. They could then go door to door, take your guns. They again go door to door, take your Bible. They're going to uh, knock on your door. They're going to demand that you take it and they're going to give you a third shot. When it comes to medical privacy, they've become like the Taliban, which is uh, a real problem. The focus of this administration on vaccination is uh, mind boggling. Again, 607,771 Americans have died of the virus, and 99% of the people dying right now are unvaccinated. At Turning Point USA, we are going to give it everything we have to make sure that students are not going to have to live in a medical apartheid because they don't want to get the vaccine. This is a big statement, but it's almost this apartheid-style open-air hostage situation, like, oh, you can have your freedom back if you get the jab. It is just undeniable that being vaccinated will open up freedoms to work, to play, to accelerate the economy, and quite frankly, to keep breathing. Overall, the, uh, the equation is very unfavorable for vaccination of anyone below age 30. Unless we really have a compelling case, no one under age 30 should receive yeah. any one of these vaccines. In Miami, the hospital system is seeing a, cur a surge. They are seeing a surge in COVID cases among people in their 30s and 40s, twice as many patients this past weekend than they had earlier in the month. And then in Tennessee, the Republican-led state just fired its vaccination chief over what she says were efforts to get teens vaccinated. And now because of politics, the state is scrapping all outreach to children for any vaccine, not just for COVID, for all diseases. I cannot believe that we are on the verge against all science of mandating vaccines for children, that we are on the verge of East German style, show me your papers. There are so many good flight attendants out there, but there are some flight attendants out there that take their job as the mass police to extremes, becoming um, almost Nazis yeah. of the air. Millions of Americans are seeing this nonsensical, non-scientific propaganda instead of this. Six hundred seven thousand seven hundred seventy one Americans have died of the coronavirus. 99% of the people dying right now are unvaccinated. Children are dying in other countries that don't have access to vaccines of any kind. Many of the Americans who died last year would not have died with the vaccine currently available right now for free. 607,771 Americans dead. Some, many, 
maybe even most of whom would be alive today if the vaccine had been there in time for them. And when history asks how so many Americans died when they could have been saved by a simple shot or two, you'll see these TV clips again that we've just shown in documentaries about the cautionary tale that has been America's response to the coronavirus pandemic, about how a large part of our country misled by information often echoed by elected officials and right-wing media was thrown a life raft and instead said, no, I'll take my chances. Schism is deeply infected by politics as well. We have a new poll with the Washington Post. It shows that 93% of Democrats say they're vaccinated or will be vaccinated. Only 49% of Republicans say the same. What can we do about that problem? You know, George, it, it's not an easy solution. It really isn't. I mean, I, I, what we're trying to do is to just put politics aside. This is no time for politics. This is a public health issue. And viruses and public health don't know the difference between a Democrat, a Republican, or an independent. One of the ways to do that is to get trusted messengers without any political ideology differences out there. That could be clergy. That could be trusted messages in the community. That could be your family physician to get people to put aside this political issue and say, what am I going to be able to do for my own safety and for that of my family? We've got to get away from the divisiveness that has really been a problem right from the very beginning with this outbreak. Anthony Fauci actually saying that we need to stop politicizing this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. If you watch that full seven minutes on video, so if you're listening today, go to Rumble and check that shit out or go to the website, excuse me, foppodcast.com. That is sheer fear mongering. And they're saying the right is doing it. New York Times bashes Fox News as the fringe on vaccines. Uh, Speaking of amplifying vaccine hesitancy, it wasn't Fox News, but the Biden administration that actually canceled vaccinations when the Center of Disease Control recommended pausing Johnson & Johnson. Back in December, before the Queen of England and the President-elect of the United States had their turns, the media mogul Robert Rupert Murdoch received a dose of COVID-19. Since then, a different message has been repeated, refrain on Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. They're talking about studies. Two studies. COVID-19 vaccines trigger autoimmune Graves disease. They're saying people are having it. What you won't talk about, drug overdose deaths soared a record 93,000 last year. Because they want to lock down again. And then you literally have him saying that this was on MSNBC. You know that children under the age of 12 who are not eligible for the vaccines generally do not get uh, sick, don't get COVID, or don't get as ill with it. But what does this spread of the Delta variant mean for them, for the children under the age of 12? And what's the timeline for when they might become eligible? Well, a, a couple of questions, and the answers are the children who are not able to get vaccinated because of their age should follow, their parents should follow with them, the guidelines of the CDC that unvaccinated children of a certain age greater than two years old should be wearing masks. 
No doubt about that. That's the way to protect them from getting infected. Two-year-old kids wearing masks. That's what he says. While they're checking your text messages. Federalist. What did Falky know and when? His emails point to panic, lies, and cover-up. Once again, what Tucker's been covering has been the simple fact that they knew a lot more and they lied to you from jump. Jump Street. It all ties into this fascist thing. We're going to try to rig the vote forever with H.R. 1. We're calling any vote that asks for what the American people want, an ID, Jim Crow, Civil War, 9-11 shit. We say January 6th, once again, is worse than 9-11, the Civil War, the Big Bang Theory, and every other thing. Scaring, scaring, scaring. And then we COVID on top with, you are all going to still die on CNN. Gummy bear. There's a prevailing feeling among many Americans that the left has gone too far and that we no longer live in a society where people are treated equally. You can get this tweet thread at GummyBear737 on Twitter. One, law enforcement weaponized versus the right. BLM versus January 6th rioters. Russiagate, Trump fishing. Hillary Hunter ignored. MSM just blatantly lies are the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party. They repeatedly lie and don't care when they're debunked later. They don't admit certain truths when confronted with facts. They hide behind Ponderson fact checkers. Three, social media, more important for dissemination of news than MSM, has been co-opted to suppress conservative voices while promoting failing MSM. They suppress banned information based on political opinions, not facts. Two-tiered system for application of rules. The education system is was transformed in a place for political indoctrination. Teaching CRT and K-12, virtually all college facilities are, or faculty, sorry, are progressive and teach leftist theories as facts. Monopoly on education by political ideology is dangerous. Politics is about balance. Five, political ideology has come to dominant science, dominate science. The science of global warming is completely politicized. Everybody has seen COVID-19 science and health has been politicized and weaponized. Big business has bent the knee to the threat of the woke politicians. When one side threatens you while holding out a big carrot, the other side debates internally about not interfering with free markets. It's simple choice for corporations. Eleven months ago, I posted what my political thinking was. I believe in balance. Having progressive and conservative constantly debating the best way forward is how healthy political process plays out. Regardless of political inclination, you should want an opposition. My political thinking, I believe that progressive and conservative represent the yin and yang of political thought. They are both important and both serve a purpose. What's important is balance. This is not what's happening. The left has abandoned the pretense of a level playing field without the checks and honest free press. They're not even trying to hide their partisan control of all institutions. They seek to find ways to govern in perpetuity. Perpetuity, excuse me. Perpetuity? That's not a word. Even if they lose in 2022, they think indoctrinating millennials against Gen Z will be voting for them years to come. Open the borders and you get the majority of Democratic voters. This is scary authoritarian behavior. You should all be worried if Yin wants to kill Yang. We need both. 
I'm encouraged that a lot of normal folks with common sense are starting to understand this problem. And it's not just conservatives. There's independents and classic liberals. Activism against the radical left has just begun, and it will grow because things have gone too far. This is not only limited to America. This is happening in Western democracies. It's more advanced than the U.S., but we've been exporting this woke garbage for a long time. Don't sleep on this problem just because you live in Europe. This is coming to neighborhood near you. People need to take the time to educate themselves on this stuff. Then educate your kids, your family, your friends, your neighbor. I'm not preaching right or left. My message is that we need to balance the democracy. It's already obvious the left is becoming increasingly authoritarian in order to combat legitimate questions over their behavior. Your votes in the coming years is not about policy. It's about reestablishing balance. While the current threat is the neo-Marxist left, tomorrow's threat might be a populist fascist right. You should oppose both. Period. Period. He is spot on. Because within this fascism... Capitol Police to use Army surveillance gear to monitor Americans and identify emerging threats. Once again, it's not just the federal government. They're using outside agencies. They're using the military against you. Saranovich, he provided that plug on the media outright lying about Sysnik. I don't watch cable news. I had no idea that the corporate media amplified the fire extinguisher host this intensely. Wow. This is disinformation. We watched it live. Calvin Feinberger. The way you know almost nobody actually believes January 6th was an insurrection is that none of the people losing their minds thought it was an insurrection when Democrat rioters tried through intimidation to halt the confirmation of a Supreme Court nominee. That's a thing that's not supposed to distinguish an insurrection from a riot, right? Not size, duration, injury, property damage, or effectiveness, but rather a deliberate attempt to derail government functions through violence. A rando on it. Everything they're doing is to create an environment of apocalyptic panic. Also, 50 Senate Dems will agree to repeal the filibuster, which then allows for the power grab. That's it. That's all it is. And you either know this now or will. By the midterms. The critical race theory I played. It's all tied in. And then you have this. The LGBTQ plus plus EIEIO. Insanity. It was very inspiring to see Hanu do something that they they were not sure they were going to be able to do. I just felt really thankful for Hanu for creating our family. Oh, I just put it over here. The baby has been able to latch, but I've not been able to produce any milk. It's okay because we're going to supplement the feeding with formula so that my baby's still getting the, the nutrients that they need, but I'm still feeling hopeful. I appreciate you so much for all your work. And I appreciate you also, baby. I'm going to die without you. That was on the Courtney Cox show. And why do I throw him in the fascism segment, which I'm going to make a bumper for? You can't criticize that. 
You could lose your job for criticizing a dude trying to breastfeed a baby. A dude. Megan Kelly. January 6th. It wasn't an insurrection. Glenn Greenwald. Of course it wasn't. But the media spent five years tossing around every historic ter- histrionic term, treason, traitor, Kremlin agent, so they now only know how to express themselves in the most unhinged and hysterical manner. Hence, a three-hour riot became an insurrection. It's not just semantic quibble. The fact that nobody has been charged with fomenting insurrection doesn't stop them from using the term. That's because it's crucial to keep fear levels elevated to justify the full range of authoritarian measures they're undertaking in the name. Megan Kelly, great piece by M. Tracy on the term insurrection and the emotional manipulation of January 6th. This doesn't even match HuffPo, WAPO, MSNDNC's, ABC's portraying 1-6 as the same or worse than 9-11, a day 3,000 people died. Michael Tracy, it's always been propagandistic nonsense that insurrection was somehow the only acceptable term to describe the events of January 6th. The term was selected because it furthers the political agenda of Democrat corporate media and the law enforcement agenda of federal prosecutors. And for a conservative or non-prog like me, you watch all this find out that it wasn't a built capital we ignored hillary we ignored hunter we ignored wiener's laptop fbi failed to pursue nasser's sex abuse allegation inspector general finds they botched that case sean davis if only nasser had visited dc or purchased a lego set the fbi might have actually cared random person. It's what happens when a once proud and honest law enforcement agency and DOJ turns into enforcers for their chosen political party and ideology instead of their mandate of enforcing laws fairly and justly. The premier law enforcement agency in the world can't take the first step in a case without consulting the U.S. attorney. Horrible investigation work here. Or had a garage door pull that could have been called a noose. There's another one. Molly Hemingway, I'm shocked to find the FBI botched an important investigation. You know, I'm starting to think the FBI is as competent as a typical government entity. Politico had to cover this. Report blast FBI handling of sexual abuse allegation against gymnastic doctor. I... How do you not watch all this and go, what the fucking fuck is going the fuck on? What's going on? How can all this be interlocked? How can you over and over and over and over and over and over let this stuff go? How? How? Promoted by the media, one side gets to say the most insane things ever. Instead of using the ever. mom and dad parent titles, yeah, 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 I'm gonna play that in a second. I'm playing both of these because this this shit uh, it, it ties right into Texas. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, this is a death by a thousand cuts. Just creating intentional chaos. Uh, you can't even vote with a college ID. One thing, two things may not be a big deal. You got beat like one time. You got punched one time, may not be a big deal. But if somebody punches you a hundred times, and, and, that's and, death. And, and, and Encourage bad behavior. We had 24-hour voting. You could drive up and vote at the curbside. You can't even use an Uber to get to the polls anymore. Now we're taking steps backwards, having people actually go through through hurdles and obstacles to vote. So, so there's a lot of things. Maybe inevitably, fall, inevitably falling into a pitfall of a, a nuanced law. Just about your concerns with the bill specifically and why, why you all are up here fighting. What's happening in Texas by the GOP legislators and governor is just outrageous. These lawmakers are brave, they're courageous, and they're simply fighting for the right of every Texan to have the right to vote. What could be more all-American than that? These folks are going to be remembered on the right side of history. The governor and the Republican legislators will be remembered on the dark and wrong side of history. normally put poll watchers in uh, minority areas and they are normally people of different nationalities than the areas that they place them and they are there to intimidate the workers not the workers but they intimidate the voters and when persons uh, people walk into a poll and they see these strange persons in their polling place looking at them mean spirited uh, it's frightening and sometimes they may just get up and walk out are they allowed because to be armed? Can they? Can those poll watchers be armed? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, particularly since we have just passed the permitless gun bill, we know that the the uh, the, the person themselves who uh, presides over the poll can, in fact, have a gun. But yeah. whether the poll watchers would be permitted to have one is another question. I would predict that they here now a member of that chorus, Democrat Texas State Representative James Tallarico, who recently flew on a private plane and currently resides in Washington, D.C. James, thank you very much for being here. Now, we know you met with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi today and the, and the talking points they've been issued. Uh, you've been told to say you're protecting democracy, that Republicans are authoritarians and racist. They're blocking the ballot box. You want voter suppression. I've got it. Texas Republicans are racist. But you're in D.C. now, and the talk is all about H.R. 1, and you're, they're gleefully promoting your effort to promote their national effort. It kind of seems like they're just using you as a prop or a puppet. So, you know, I'm an eighth-generation Texan. I've only been in D.C. twice in my life. This is the second time. Uh, I'm a former middle school teacher who ran for office just to try to make my community better. And I swore an oath when I first got elected two years ago to uphold the Constitution, the Constitution of the United States, and also the Constitution of the great state of Texas. And after our former president, Donald Trump, started his big lie that the election was stolen, Republican legislators and Capitol Wait, how did you make this about Donald Trump in 20 seconds? That's a, that's a bit of a record. So now you're going to voter suppression, which I get it. But if this is all about your allegiance to Texas and you're an eighth generation Texan and all that and the Constitution, by the way, the Constitution, Section 1, Article 4, gives authority to the state legislatures, then why are you not in Texas? And why are you in Washington, D.C., doing press conferences with federal officials? I, I was just going to answer that. Um, it's, a, it's a great question. And what I was saying is when 
Um, President Trump lost the election. He told Republicans across the country that he didn't lose the election. And this caused Republican legislators in state capitals from Georgia to Austin to start putting forward bills that would make it harder to vote. And actually, it's, Texas is one of the hardest places to vote in the whole country. And so when this oh, started, many He's... of my Democratic colleagues tried to negotiate with our fellow <laughs> Uh, legislators, most of them Republicans, to try to make the bill less damaging, less harmful, less dangerous to constituencies across the state of Texas. Unfortunately, our Republican colleagues didn't want Is to negotiate with us. Is 17 days of early voting and adding an hour of voting too much? Is it too difficult to provide, I don't know, your driver's license number uh, and the fast, last four digits of your social security number? Is that too much to ask a voter in Texas? So what this bill does, and I'm, I'm glad you asked because it, it gives me an opportunity to correct something you said earlier, which is that this bill actually reduces the amount of time for early voting. Oh, it does. Um, in, yeah. So in, in Texas, currently, a county can extend voting to 24 hours. You can actually vote all night, which is really convenient if you work during the day. A lot of working folks aren't able to get so off work to go vote. It's voting and at 2 a.m. in the morning. Is there, it's voting at 2 a.m. in the morning the that is the key issue. Is, is, it, is there anyone in Texas that's not currently able to vote? Because I've heard the hyperbole. This is Jim Crow. This is voter repression. This is the civil war from the leadership of your party. Is there currently a single example you can provide me of a registered citizen voter in Texas that can't vote if we're fighting well, the civil war here? Thankfully, this bill has not passed yet, and God willing, it won't pass. No, if the bill passes, the will there be Texas any there will be, minority a, a or a woman that's not able to vote? So the person who oversees elections is appointed by a Republican in the state of Texas. It's a Republican-appointed secretary of state. And she actually said that Texas's elections in the past two cycles were safe, smooth, and secure. Those were the three okay. words that she used but to describe it. But we also that. had, so as you pointed out, your party has pointed problem. out time and time again, we needed to expand these things because of COVID. And by the way, I didn't see a whole lot of COVID going on on that private plane uh, without those masks, but, but I digress. So if COVID's not there... And are ultimately minimized in, in our application. Shouldn't we be making sure that the rules go go to go back to something that makes sense, that's reasonable? You know, I, I, that's a great question. I think you know, in the pandemic, we learned that a lot of things can be made more convenient and more accessible. You know, a lot of folks are working from home instead of having to go into the office, uh, and that's exactly what we learned in voting. We can we can change some quick, of our voting quick, systems to be more accessible. Quick question: accessible Are you okay people, with voter ID? I, are you I okay think, with voter ID? Because you're going back to the talking points. I get it. The talking points have been issued. Are, are, are you okay so, with voter ID? So voter ID is currently required in the state of Texas. I, I opposed having to How about for mail-in ballots? How about having to send your ballot in? Should you have to prove who Sorry, you are? Because that's Pete, what Democrats just, are opposing. <laughs> Pete, I just said I, I oppose voter ID. Currently, it's a law in Texas, but I oppose that law because you I think you don't need it. You oppose voter ID? You, you don't, don't think the most sacred <laughs> obligation of our republic, you should have to prove who you are in order to vote? So there are a lot of Texans, actually hundreds of thousands, who don't have a driver's license, who, whoa, who whoa, don't, whoa, whoa, whoa. don't drive who at all. Who can't? Do they have and a Social Security number? Because according this, to this Republican law, you can put your last four digits of your Social Security number in Pete, as proof of who you are. Do they not? Pete, no, help me out. Do those people not have Social Security numbers? And, Pete, and who are these people that can't get IDs? <laughs> so, Pete, if you're talking about the bill that we're currently focused on, not past Texas law, what this bill is going to do is not only reduce voting hours, it's also going to empower these partisan poll watchers who are going to look over oh, voters' shoulders and prevent them from exercising their Partisan poll watchers, you mean the ones right. that weren't allowed in certain states at certain times in certain yep. places, whether you agree with that or not. So Texas so, says maybe we should have partisan poll watchers on either side, Republicans so, Pete, and Democrats, right? It wouldn't just, just be Republicans. Do you, remember, do you remember a second ago when I talked about the big lie? This is exactly what I'm talking about.
about. Oh, and the reason that so many folks believe just, in this country you just is got because went folks on like national you get on television, television James, every night and say you don't want voter ID. We're not talking about that. You just went on national television and said you don't want voter ID, revealing he, exactly what Democrats. And it's so condescending to say that people can't get identification. Do, he, have, you, you, have you found listen, someone you, in your district that can't get identification? You have made a lot of money personally, and you've enriched a lot of corporations with advertising by getting on here and spewing lies and conspiracy theories to folks who now trust you. About my and so what I'm asking you to do is I to see. tell your voters right now that Donald Trump hey, lost the election you've in 2020. At least you've you resolved that? the lie that is did Democrats you, did you are now for voter ID. It's not did you your show, sir. But at least, did, I, at least you resolved the idea that Donald Trump lose the election in 2020? Real quick. Can you answer the question? Did Donald Trump lose the election in 2020? I'm questions. I'm not... Don't is really this, a, is this, is this an uncomfortable, an uncomfortable question for you? No, it's not. My question is, why are you in Washington, D.C. and not in Texas when your job is in Texas? Because you know it's inevitable that this bill is going to pass. Eventually, you're going to have to pay your hotel bill and go back to Texas, and Governor Abbott will declare a special session. So you're being used by national Democrats to try to pass H.R. 1 to federalize elections, which you, as a Harvard grad, should know better because the Constitution puts that in the hands of state legislators who are supposed to be in their state, and you happen to be in Washington, D.C. I, so I don't understand I how earlier, you square that circle. I, I can answer. So based on the, the, the oath that I took for this office, mm -hmm. I have to uphold the Constitution. The I have to uphold our flee. democratic system. And I, as a Texas Democrat, I'll tell you this. We lose a lot on the floor of the Texas House. Uh, we lose votes on abortion and guns and, and immigration. Are you going to flee the state on those? Why is this number one? Is this the biggest? democracy is supposed to work. All right. The reason we're this not, is different, we're, we're going back. The reason this is different is that they're trying to rig the rules of the game. Oh, we can debate rig the issues. rules of the game. We can I debate see. issues, Asking but we people cannot, to prove who they are. Real quick, I'm going to end with this. democracy itself. Your, your party's been obsessed with COVID standards, yet, yet the CDC and the White House says we well, need to wear one on a plane. Why didn't you guys? So all of us are fully vaccinated. They got on the okay. plane without a mask. Per got, CDC if you're guidance, fully vaccinated, can I get on a plane then? Got all it. we're trying okay, to do good. is follow hey, as science. As long as I know that you support that you. if you're fully vaccinated, you get on a plane. That we seems like a good official position. constituents, unlike yep, our home state senator. Well. To constituents who elected you to do a job and to be in Austin and debate these issues, and they see you leaving the state today and may think they're running away from their responsibilities. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're not gonna sit in, the Austin, in, in Austin, in the House chamber, and watch the Republican majority steamroll the voting rights of our constituents. We're fighting back, we're leaving, so they can't do that. How long will you be here in Washington? Well, our, our intention is to be out of Texas until this session is over. And if he calls another one right away? That's our message to Congress. We need them to act now because they will keep calling. Standing there when a new Voting Rights Act for this century is there and the rights that were struggled, that so many lives were taken, so much courage was demonstrated, are preserved once again. I turn it back over to you for the questions and uh, thank you very much for all that you and all of your colleagues are doing here today. We will overcome. We will overcome. We will overcome. In the meantime, we're going to turn next to the battle in this country over voting rights. Tonight in Texas, one of the states trying to enact strict new voting laws. Democratic lawmakers are now leaving the state to block the vote on a Republican measure, all in their effort, they say, to protect voting access in Texas. ABC's Rachel Scott tonight on what this could mean for the larger debate across this country. Tonight, Texas Democratic lawmakers fleeing the state. Once again, using the only tool they have left to block one of the most restrictive voting bills in the country. 
They say they're in it for the long haul. As long as it takes to kill this legislation, um, whether that is a few days or whether that's uh, to, for the remainder of the special session, um, that's up to that's up to the Republicans. The bill would ban 24-hour polling locations and drive-through voting, which have increased turnout among minorities. Prohibit election officials from sending absentee ballot applications to people who have not requested them and give partisan poll watchers greater access to polling sites. They say they're willing to stay there uh, for weeks if they have to all to try to block this Texas bill. Yes, and David, these Democrats are trying to make the point that this is much larger than Texas. Already, we have seen 16 states pass laws that make it tougher for people to vote. Well, tonight, the fight over voting rights in Texas has reached a new level of hostility. Democratic lawmakers bolted the state capitol this afternoon to prevent passage of a new election law. And they say they're prepared to stay away for weeks. CBS's Maria Vireal reports tonight from Austin. Tonight, Texas Democrats on the run. Where are you? <laughs> I'm at the airport. Jasmine Crockett is one of nearly 60 lawmakers who fled the Lone Star State for Washington, D.C., grinding the Texas legislature to a halt and preventing Republicans from taking action on a controversial voting rights bill. Had they stayed in state, Texas Rangers could have rounded them up and returned them to the Capitol. He kept saying, if we have to pull the trigger, we'll pull the trigger. We heard rumblings that they actually were planning to lock the chamber. They were gonna hold us in there until those bills got passed. The Texas bill would mandate new ID requirements for voting by mail and ban drive-through voting sites. Back here in the U.S., in Texas, the state legislature is set to vote this week on two restrictive voting bills. The legislation moved forward yesterday after a heated debate. Critics say the measures unfairly harm black voters. Mireya Villarreal has more from Austin. Democratic House Representative Aaron Zwiener believes the push for tighter voting restrictions is based on fear. Why do you think that this has become such a big deal during this session? Texans are still struggling in the wake of COVID. Uh, we have severe learning disruptions for our students and not a good plan to correct that. Um, and we have trouble even keeping the lights on. So I think they are deathly afraid that Texans are about to figure out that they have better options and are doing everything they can to cling on to power. Uh, well, Texas Republican lawmakers yesterday voted to dispatch law enforcement to track down the Democrats who fled the state in a last-ditch effort to block passage of new voting limits. In turn, Republican lawmakers voted to send state law enforcement to track down those Democrats who fled the state. But as no crime has been committed and the legislature's only power is to compel attendance, Texas law enforcement do not have the jurisdiction outside of the state of Texas and cannot ask local police to bring the lawmakers home. This, as the Texas Democrats who fled to Washington, appeared in front of the U.S. Capitol yesterday to plea for lawmakers there to help. It feels like maybe the second or third time the Texas governor or Republicans have done something or, or threatened to do something, like arrest them, that is simply not possible. 
Yeah, because the threat for arrests, obviously, without jurisdictional rights, it's a political show. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a way to sort of stir up passions and play to the base. There's no teeth to that. Um, but certainly, what we're seeing here is these Texas state Democrats have come to Washington and been embraced. There is major breaking news from the state of Texas. My colleague Jane Tim, the first to report that just moments ago, Democrats in the Texas legislature are planning to leave the state in a last-ditch effort to stop Republicans there from passing new voting restrictions. At least 58 state House Democrats are involved in the plan to fly here to Washington and paralyze the chamber in Texas. They think that they can be a national symbol for the fight for voting rights because Texas, of course, is one of 22 different states that has advanced restrictions like these. It's just they're the ones who are making the headlines and they're going to take advantage of it. They want to be a symbol. They want to bring to the forefront because basically all they can do, right, is continue to push, continue to be very public and get a lot of attention. And when you talk to voting rights advocates, folks in the White House, and even some of these local <clears throat> and state legislatures, what they tell you is that what they can do is build a groundswell of support for more voting rights and then try mm -hmm. to pressure Congress. You do have Democrats at the national level, and I mean Democratic voters, who look at the Texas Democrats and say, not for nothing, those folks know how to fight. And there's, there's a lot that, that elected Democrats on the national level can learn from that. No, absolutely. Anytime that you talk to advocates and activists, especially on the left, what they continue to tell you is that Democrats in Congress, they don't do enough, that they don't fight enough for anybody. And that is something that they, we always ask them, like, what's next? How do, you, how do you counterbalance and counteract these things that are happening? Especially when it, it's interesting because Democrats own D.C., right? They have the, the, they have the chambers of government. They have the keys to government, and they've still not been able to... Getting out of Dodge, dozens of Texas Democrats flee the state in an attempt to block a voting bill they claim is a dangerous attack on democracy. When the Texas legislature gavels in later today, all those state Democrats plan to be here in D.C. instead, more than 50 of them potentially risking arrest if they go back. That's why they plan to stay here for weeks, at least 25 more days until that special session is over. They've walked out before in May, but this is the farthest they've gone, literally and figuratively, putting a national spotlight on what they see as a dangerous attack on democracy. Texas state Democrats blocking Republican bills on voting rights with a walkout gone airborne. We had no other option, and so we took a stand. Arriving in Washington. With the dramatic departure, the Democrats hope to highlight their mission and put pressure on Congress to act. You must pass strong federal voter protection legislation and you must do it now. You Texas Democrats are all but begging for backup. Now, President Biden in Philadelphia today planning to use the power of his bully pulpit in a speech focusing on voting rights. And NBC News has learned that the president in those remarks today will blast those new Republican-backed voting bills as the most egregious attempts to harm. Doing our part. Do you think the Democratic state representatives are changing the landscape at all on which the filibuster fight is being waged? You know, you can look at this another way, Nicole, and I know this is painful for people to hear, but the minority in Texas is using a procedure to block what they're trying to do in Texas, just as the minority in the Senate is using a procedure to try to block what the Democrats are trying to do in Washington. Except it's a much closer. So I put all the uh, media cheerleading, and then, of course, I put all of the flubs they did because they 
they they don't even know we we shall overcome it's we shall not we will overcome i mean what the fuck that's like the liberal backbone of every protest they've ever done and then the mccaskill isn't this the same thing it's the same as the filibuster which is jim crow the big lie these fucking people look at this shit i mean how do you take these people seriously WAPO did inside the secret plan for the Texas Democrat exodus, a phone tree, a scramble to pack and politically perilous trip, a politically perilous trip. Katie Pavlich, FYI, there isn't any good Tex-Mex in D.C. Are you going to survive? Just landed in Memphis on our way to D.C. Thank you all for your well wishes. We left behind our families, our livelihoods, and our beloved Texas. But our sacrifice is nothing compared to the sacrifice brave Americans have made throughout history to protect the sacred right to vote. You know, one of the most insulting things, all right? Veterans have carried the torch since fucking the civil or the the revolutionary war to fight for freedom and the right to vote. And these people were put on the same pedestal by our media. I played that whole thing on purpose. This man child, I don't even know who the fuck this guy was. I don't know who he is. He's just a douche nozzle. And then you get this. This is These are serious people. These are serious times. We have the worst threat to our democracy since the civil foreign insurrection wars of 1812. It's just insane the amount of perils that we have in our country right now. You just don't know how bad it is. Can we stop saying fleeing the state as if they're cowards or victim? I don't understand why we can't just say they left the state. This is a power move, not a weak one. Let's just do dooly do dooly do parallel universe. The Republicans walk the fuck out. They don't vote on the infrastructure. Is that a power move? I don't know. Last time I checked, you guys would shit the bed, Fred. They did flee, and so they wouldn't be have to lose on the bill they didn't like. A, they didn't. They didn't like in a state where the majority of residents don't agree with their philosophies. Take the L. They're cowards. They're cowards, and this is just political theater. Chris Saliza, let me say for the billionth time, reporters don't root for a side. Period. Yeah. Okay. You got Schumer. Ever notice how cringeworthy the right side of history is? They're not. VP Harris, because she's always on the wrong side. Praise Texas House Democrats who fled the state in protest of voter restriction proposed by House Republicans. I applaud them standing for the rights of all Americans, which I don't know how they are because it's just Texas, and of all Texans to express their voice. Holy shit. Of course she did. They're standing up for the right to vote by not voting. Has the coalition of the very concerned weighed in on this? 
She's so bad at this. What's the point of expressing her voice to the legislatures you elect just walk off the job? They literally aren't expressing their voice. This is a stunt. And then you... These people are not serious. Democrats are not serious. This is why I don't vote for them. It's not like Republicans are more serious, but they're not adults. Democrats just aren't adults. Look at this shit. We're at the U.S. Capitol Day doing the job we're elected to do. Nobody elected you not to vote and go to Washington. Fighting for our constituents, constitutional right to vote, and free and fair elections. We need federal action in our fight. Federal action? Except the job you're elected to do is one you quite literally fled. You were not, in fact, elected to fuck off to D.C. for an impromptu vacation. Is this a good kind of legislative gridlock? Hard to keep it all straight with what the crusaders against the filibuster say. Same people looking for nails and wood for mansion are going to condemn this, correct? There should be a law against having too many Karens in one photo. Then you have this douche nozzle. Is there a war? Is like their air war? Are people getting shot at? Landed safely in D.C. Officially out of our arrest jurisdiction of Governor Abbott. I was wonder- it was wonderfully to randomly run into people who recognized me and applaud what we're doing. No, they didn't. While you're here, please consider giving us money. To all the Megan troopers and GOP simps who are crying little snowflakes tears about me saying that people recognize me. Thanks for letting me in your little heads. I'm going to like it there. I'm glad people recognize you. It's good for voters to know who is subverting democracy. Then, of course, you got the thing. Uh, They put this on. It had fucking beer. Everybody's fucking covered that. Everybody. That kid was James Tontiro. There it is. Here's a little simp guy that fucking... He, he lost his career. Just landed in Memphis on our way to D.C. Thank you all for our your well wishes. We left behind our families, blah, 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 blah. We prepared to stay out of Texas the rest of the session. This decision wasn't easy. Many of my callings left kids, elderly parents, sick loved ones. Many are risking their day jobs and their seats in the house. But we won't sit by and watch democracy wither on the vine. This guy's an idiot. How many Miller Lights deep are you on this? Stop it. You're not making any sacrifice. You're taking a trip on a private plane, and you brought a case of beer. You're on a booze cruise to Washington, not a Valley Forge. I remember my first beer. This is the key thing that I think is so important in this, because when you say there is no media bias... I just look at you and laugh. Who paid for the plane? Our transcribers are never going to look that up. They don't fucking care. They're Democrats. Who paid for it? What dark money hath cometh to this group of fucking Avengers? Then you have this douche, this Gene Woon guy. If you can't find any news, report on tomorrow. I had chicken Caesar salad for dinner as well. You're welcome, Fox News. My first meal as a fugitive. Breaking news, Fox News. Democrat breakfast only include fruit, yogurt, and coffee. No steak, no whiskey. What a wuss. You should pay me. Being a Fox News reporter is easy as falling off the back of a pickup truck. Here, Fox News, I made this for you. A smiley face. This, This guy. This guy, it just sums up the Democratic Party. They're not serious people. They seriously don't care about the issues. They really don't 
care. They don't. The only time they care is when it hits the polls like the fun. Whether or not you meant to watch baseball's all-star game, and who am I to judge you, remember that Saturday night police uncovered a stash of 16 long guns, body armor, and a thousand rounds of ammunition in a Denver hotel room near where the game was to be played. And then the FBI said they had no reason to believe this was connected to the All-Star Game, and a lot of people relaxed and took this as good news, as if it's somehow okay that four people had stashed long guns, ammo, and body armor for any purpose other than shooting up the All-Star Game like it was Las Vegas 2017, as if that's the way it's supposed to be, as if anybody should have a thousand rounds of ammo and body armor, and they could then ask their Denver hotel for a room with a balcony for whatever reason. So think about the All-Star Game. Think about the Denver Weapons Stash a block away, which was either an interrupted All-Star Game mass shooting or an interrupted non-All-Star Game mass shooting. And consider again the Holy Second Amendment to the Constitution and ask yourself this question. Why doesn't the Second Amendment have the word own in it? Why does it not say the right to own guns or in a synonym for own? Why does it just say a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Keep and bear, not own. Keep doesn't mean own. Bear doesn't mean own. Yet by the same kind of logic that made lots of us breathe sighs of relief because maybe nobody meant to shoot up the fans at the All-Star Game, our nation has been covered neck high in this bullshit that the Second Amendment makes gun ownership not only legal but sacrosanct. 103 times the Constitution uses words like ownership, value, purchased, receipts, property, private property, but not once does it do so in the Second Amendment, because the Second Amendment isn't about gun ownership, it's about regulation of state militias. Yet thousands of us die every year buried under this same bullshit, the same bullshit that says if the thousand rounds of ammo in the Denver hotel room wasn't there to kill baseball fans, that somehow that's good news. I think he's gonna have a problem with crime um, that he's going to have to figure out. I think that's a Democrat problem. But now he just said, this is the test of our time. Can he get the Democrats in the Senate and the House to come together to stop the voting rights restrictions that are fanning out all over this country? Why is that you think that's a Democrat or Democratic, as it should be said, problem? I think crime uh, is going to be made politically into a democratic problem because of reforms that went too far, because of rhetoric that went too far, mm -hmm. uh, and because they are too slow to the punch. And the right will say it, even if it's without basis, because crime matters to people. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be late to the game once again. Right. Even though, Even though they could say it was on Trump's watch right. and, and that uh, Democratic presidents, Obama and Clinton before, had had good crime policies and this soft on crime thing has never been the right rap. Now they have the rap. You have states, look, including in New York, where my brother is the governor. Bail reform is important. People rot in jails wrongly. Yeah. But did the reforms go too far? Are judges' hands tied on discretion for gun crimes in a way and releasing people from prison in a way that is making things worse when it comes to shooting? They're going to have to defend well, the, the proposition. Well, that's a discussion, especially the thing about bail reform, because I know that it has been said a lot. Listen, Bill Bratton, uh, the police commissioner I respect very highly, has been on the show and others. Even during the pandemic, I don't know if you remember, we had a town hall with police chiefs uh, from major cities all across this country uh, talking about those issues. So far, though, 
So far, and they could be right, I haven't seen any empirical evidence that it is bail reform. Of course, people who are violent criminals should not be let out. If someone commits a crime, they should not be let out. But much New York of it, and Chicago and San Francisco much are of, all test cases of reforms right. that have created questionable Much of it, results. though, has been anecdotal. I want to see the research for the real results. I'm not saying well, that it's, it's, and it's look, COVID's right or part wrong. of it, too. It's not going to be one thing. But right. you had a lot more people in prisons in New York and in other big states. And you have a lot less now. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of people who get arrested for crimes where they're using a loaded weapon and they wind up being back out on the street. That's not good. No, it and, th and that should not happen. Uh, the whole idea about defunding the police and uh, the whole crime issue happening across the country. I've been saying, gosh, now for months, even before, you know, they had all the candidates stacked up for mayor, as goes New York, so goes the rest of the, the country. And so that the New York mayoral race was going to be a litmus test for the rest of the country. And it certainly has turned out to be that way. I'm trying to get the candidates on from the very beginning. Some of it wasn't it wasn't time for it because the rest of the country just was not interested in it. It wasn't close enough. But I knew that this would be, um, as I said, a litmus test for the rest of the country. And I think that this really exposed where Democrats, you said it's going to be a Democratic problem, where Democrats are actually on crime, where they are actually as a party. I think it exposed so much about the left and the rhetoric on the right. This one race in New York City, I believe, did that. Well, look, you wind up having Eric Adams, who was a former cop, uh, came up hard, a Brooklyn Borough president, uh, had some controversies uh, during, during the campaign, but he was fundamentally anti-Democrat platform when it came to a lot of the woke talk. And look, I know there's going to be eye rolling and I know you guys are going to come after me. That's OK. That's why we have these conversations. Wokeness is a problem. For Here is legendary Democratic strategist James Carl. I give time to people say they're woke and they're tired of being woke. People want to, after this pandemic and stuff, people want to go about their lives and want to enjoy it. They want to enjoy their friends. They don't want to be nervous about how you address them or talk to them, anything. And, you know, that's that's just where people are. Joining us now is Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, Democrat from New York and the chair of the House Democratic Caucus. Congressman, thanks so much for being with us today. It's not just James Carville. It's, it's Eric Adams, who's now the Democratic nominee for mayor here in New York City, who says Democrats can't be so idealistic that they're not realistic. What do you think of that? Well, I think that. You know, the most important thing, and President Biden is doing this, I think that Eric as mayor will do this, is to solve problems for everyday Americans. I agree uh, that the people that I represent in predominantly black neighborhoods like Bedford-Stuyvesant, other parts of central Brooklyn, don't talk like that. They don't use the language woke. They're concerned about housing displacement, gentrification, educating their children, quality of life issues, a rise uh, in gun violence. And so I think what's going to continue to be important, and we're seeing this leadership from Joe Biden, uh, is for us to solve problems in these areas. And if we do so, we'll continue to be successful politically. And I want to talk in a second about one of the problems you think is being solved today with people starting to receive money from the child tax credit. But the question is that David Gregory put it this way in our show yesterday, and, I, and to a certain extent it may not be fair, but what he suggested is the way that some of this stuff is being used against Democrats could be harmful to Democratic aspirations. So how concerned do you have to be about how certain things are being used against Democrats, whether it was to fund the police, which was last year, and most Democrats say they don't want to fund the police anyway, 
or or the argument over critical. And now you'll likely hear more of this. Let's just call it what it is. Garbage from other Republicans this weekend at the conservative gathering known as CPAC as they continue to stoke fears over their latest culture war boogeyman, critical race theory. But actually, what they want is to whitewash the truth about America, the one that they think already exists and the one that we are trying to bring into existence. Meanwhile, this week, the news surrounding Nicole Hannah-Jones' tenure fight with the University of North Carolina was an actual example of what the theory preaches, that racism is so entrenched in every aspect of our lives that an overqualified Pulitzer Prize winner and MacArthur genius had to threaten a lawsuit in order to be given begrudgingly the same opportunity as white people who came before her in that position. And ultimately, she chose an HBCU instead. So, um, what has this process taught you about the current state of America today? Well, thanks for having us both on. Excited to be here with you. Uh, what it taught me is that the work that Tanahavi and I do, the work that you do, is vital because we are still fighting against these instincts that were baked into a country that uh, began with chattel slavery. So, you know, all of the arguments that we're seeing that um, we're not we don't come from a fundamentally racist country. Our past is not a racist past. That racial uh, inequality, anything that we see today um, when it comes to racial inequality is simply a matter of individual choices. All of that is being disproven by what we're seeing across our country. It's always the polls. The polls start changing. They start getting worried. And we start hearing these changes in tone. They don't really care about people dying. Rapper shot a dozen times. Eh, I don't care about that. that. That's not important. I mean, this article I got that after mocking rising crime, Cuomo, Lemon, Warrior Voters, now blaming the Democrats. Oh, that's horrible. But remember, they built this. They said that the criminal justice system was racist because of that tramp you just heard, Nicole Hannah-Jones, that, oh, it's proving that everything's racist. No, it's not. If everything, everything you say is so baseless because we prove over and over that the entire country will buy your bullshit and go totally woke and freak the fuck out. We're not racist, because if we were racist, it would be like, shut up, N-word, and they'd be doing what you people say they do, lynching you. Because remember, we're doing lynching. It's digital lynching now. Then you get stories like this that just chaps my balls. They were wrong. They shouldn't have gone in the building. The family that riots together, a Texas couple along with their son and daughter, are charged with taking part in the siege. DOJ charges family of five from Borger, Texas for capital riots. Kristen, Tom, Don, John, or Josh, and Kayla Munn are named. A relative of Kristen Munn, Munn's fiance, contacted FBI after seeing social media posts. Christy posted photos. Some 530 people have been arrested for trespassing.
Everybody from the riots last year have been released of all charges. Who's the fascist? Who's subverting the Bill of Rights, the Constitution? Who? Josh Marshall, blue check, liberal. Just to remind everybody, the individual right to own and use firearms is completely made up and a product of the NRA-funded activism. That's why I put the Keith Oberman. And then, one of the most disappointing things that I think proves, as much as can be proved if it's not been proved, with how fascist, how wrong the left is on everything. How hypocritical our media is to say Texas legislators are freedom fighters in the underground railroad since we're living in the Civil War now, our president, President Punchy says. How hard was it for them to say Cuba's fallen apart because of communism? But as Katie Pavlis shows, Pasaki had a difficult time defending the use of the American flag in Cuba. Let that sink in. We saw the president's statement today about the demonstrations there on the island yesterday. Uh, two questions on that. But why hasn't President Biden taken steps to undo uh, some of the things that his predecessor, Donald Trump, did to overturn the overtures made by President Obama? And then secondly, we heard there's obviously a great cry yesterday or during these protests for vaccines. Has Cuba on the list to get vaccines for the United States? In this White House statement today, you note the, quote, tragic grip of the pandemic, but under current U.S. sanctions that were put in place by the last administration, but have not been changed by this administration, Cuban exiles cannot send remittances to their family that lives in Cuba. So why is the Biden administration continuing that policy? Even though the president said he was going to reverse the policy, you can't say when he plans to reverse the policy? Uh, again, these protests happened yesterday, I think, or over the last two days. He made the promise in September. You're talking today about how some of these protests are inspired by people exhausted with the government. Why is it that yesterday the State Department was saying that this was all happening uh, out of concern about rising COVID cases? Well, I would say first that the protests were just happening yesterday. We're still assessing uh, what is motivating and, of course, and driving all of the individuals who came to the streets. So when these protesters are yelling freedom and enough, there are people within the administration who think they are saying freedom from rising COVID cases. Recently, the New York Times described the American flag as alienating the sun, but we've seen um, these Cuban protesters uh, flying the American flag as a symbol for freedom. We saw it in Hong Kong as well. Um, so does the administration support international protesters flying the American flag? And what message do you have to Americans who are wary of flying it here in the U.S.? Well, I would say first, uh, the, the president certainly values and respects uh, the, uh, the uh, symbol, symbol of the American flag. Uh, he's someone who uh, certainly uh, waves it outside of his uh, house or ha- does in Delaware and, and other places where he's lived uh, throughout his time. On Cuban television, Diaz-Canel blamed the protest on the U.S. and its trade embargo for a severe impact on Cuba's recent economic downturn. The Trump administration passed many more regulations, many more sanctions against it, which basically has cut off all income coming into Cuba. Portia Siegelbaum is a CBS News producer based in Cuba. I think the Biden administration, he at least said at the beginning he was going to review this policy and make changes, but nothing has happened. A third day of protests in Miami. There's change coming, and it's time for a change. Some demonstrators blocking traffic. 
Many Cuban Americans worried about family back home. This is now a life or death situation. Where Cubans on the island are grappling with dire food shortages, rising COVID cases, and a communist dictatorship that's cutting off the internet while protesters cry out for help. They are starving, literally there are food shortages, there are medical shortages, and the Cuban people need help. What's it going to take? If it doesn't happen now, when is it going to happen? Their outrage and desperation captured by a viral hit song called Patria y Vida. Meaning homeland and life, a spin on the communist era slogan Patria o Muerte, meaning homeland or death. Cuban musician Yotuel Romero, who fled Cuba 25 years ago, is one of its creators. Cambiamos ese patria muerte. You changed that slogan. Sí. Cambiamos la muerte por la vida. You change death for life. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We need life. We need life. Yeah. Es lo más importante. Lo más importante es la vida. He says they are fighting because their family on the island cannot. Just today, activist Dina Stars was arrested by Cuban authorities while expressing her views to a Spanish news channel. Romero was on the show when it happened live. You thought that that could have been my daughter. Nadie sabe dónde está. No one knows where she Nadie is. Sabe so far, the Biden administration is not intervening, but issued a statement in support of the Cuban people. This, as Cuba's president, blames protests on the U.S. government and its embargo. But Romero says this movement is for Cubans and by Cubans. There's nothing more beautiful than freedom. And this, he says, is just the beginning. They need the freedom. They deserve it. It's been and tonight, President Biden says the U.S. stands with the Cuban people after the largest and most violent protests in decades against that country's communist regime. And they're the first since the Castro brothers relinquished power. CBS's Manuel Bohorquez is monitoring the unrest from Miami. The protests are as remarkable as the outward displays of anger towards the government. Flipping over a police car here, the regime's response was swift. Violent confrontations with police were posted online until the government cut the Internet off. Thousands in Miami have joined in solidarity. President Joe Biden weighed in today. Cuban people demanding their freedom from an authoritarian regime. And I don't think we've seen anything like this protest. Uh, in a long, long time. Cuban President Miguel Díaz-Canel blamed the protest on a U.S.-backed social media campaign. Manipulating the emotions and feelings of people, he said. He blames the economic downturn here on the U.S. embargo. But for many, the tipping points after six decades of communist rule are shortages of food and medicine exacerbated by the pandemic. What is life like for the average Cuban right now? very difficult and it's become increasingly difficult. People have very a difficult time finding food, finding medicine, uh, fuel, just the basic necessities. Jorge Duani is director of the Cuban Research Institute and says this puts pressure on the Biden administration to formalize its Cuba policy and navigate helping the Cuban people without enriching their government. Their basic message has been that they're reviewing the policy uh, and that they will place human rights and democracy uh, right at center as well as it. But beyond those general comments, uh, we don't know exactly what the Biden administration will do. 
tonight, the show of support continues here in Miami's Little Havana neighborhood. Because the Internet is out in Cuba and numbers are hard to come by, it is unclear exactly how many people there have been arrested for the protests. But the Cuba is rocked by its biggest public protests in decades. Thousands of people are angry over food shortages and the government's response to the pandemic what authorities are doing to keep control. Demonstrators here say they are fed up by food shortages, rising prices, collapsing infrastructure, and the government's response to a rising number of COVID-19 infections. On Saturday, Cuba recorded nearly 7,000 new cases. On Cuban television, Diaz-Canel blamed the protest on the U.S. and its trade embargo for a severe impact on Cuba's recent economic downturn. The Trump administration passed many more regulations, many more sanctions against it, which basically has cut off all income coming into Cuba. Portia Siegelbaum is a CBS News producer based in Cuba. I think the Biden administration, he at least said at the beginning he was going to review this policy and make changes, but nothing has happened. I had it. And then, of course, the Cuban asylum sinkers. Well, you can't come because you might vote Republican. Havana bureau chief tweets from Cuba that's impossible to know the real picture there because of the Internet blackout. That's what CNN said. They don't want to get hurt. They're on the wrong side of history. How do I know? Biden and waived sanction on Iranian oil trade as DOJ announces charges on spy network that were going to kill a woman. But yeah, no. No. Nobody thinks that's bad. Nobody thinks it's bad. I mean, you literally look at Alejandro Mayorkas on this. When I was very young, the United States provided my family and me a place of refuge. Now I have been nominated to be DHS Secretary of Oversee the Protection of All Americans and those who flee persecution in search of a better life. That was 11-23-20. 7-13. If you're coming, go fuck yourself. We're not taking you because you vote conservative. The whole journalist thing with Iran that ties in with this. Man, it just shows it. Peter Ducey asked Jim Psaki if people are fleeing communism in Cuba. She just spun it. I played it. I mean, it's just fucking unbelievable. But everything they put out on all of this is just lies. It's just lies. The media, especially CNN, they just lie, man. It's just, it's just unfucking believable. Morning nets ignore BLS reports showing spike spiking inflation. It is a 40-year high. CNN mercilessly mocked for bias story protecting Biden from gas prices. President Biden's being attacked for $3 gasoline, but the truth is the White House isn't to blame for high gas prices and has few options to lower them. Do, do we remember this? This is the line they did during Obama, too. Under Trump, it was his warmongering hate that made us have high gas. Under Obama, oh no, it's not his fault. Charles Payne, dear CNN business, Biden declared war on fossil fuel and took swift action while threatening more. Oil projects can't find funding and portfolio managers shunning stocks. When supply can't mean demand prices rise. By the way, a pen and phone and rhetoric are more powerful than a magic wand. This is so true. 
Oh, my God. Dear Matt Egan, CNN, this is from Jeff Carlson. Perhaps you'd like to explain why the U.S. was net exporter of energy in the midst of a booming economy pre-COVID. Because we were. But it's just not CNN. Glenn Kessler, fact checker. The bogus GOP claim that Biden is responsible for higher gasoline prices. Fusilizi Spock, you've already exposed yourself as a partisan hack. This does nothing to change my opinion of you. If Trump was in office, you'd be blaming President Sopaz's policies. He's shutting down domestic oil production while OPEC raises prices. But no, no, no. We, yeah, we, no, 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 no. So two more articles. We'll do a short woke section and punch this pig out. <clears throat> Federalist. Ignoring Georgia illegal voting proves Democrats don't care about election integrity at all. While Democrats and their partners in the press push this Jim Crow canard, they ignore the real disenfranchisement that took place in the 2020 election. 100% true. And while we're closing out fascism and it's all tied in with our media, remember Brooklyn Dad's a paid Hillary-type troll. He's paid to go out and say this stuff. So here's some of his recent shot, pun intended, chaser alert. Man, we see a lot of frauds and phonies on Twitter, but that Brooklyn dad is a doozy. One of his tweets, if right-wing TV networks like Fox, Own, and Newsmax would stop politicizing the vaccine and start running pieces like these people regret not getting vaccines, it might have a huge difference. Get vaccinated. Camilla Harris isn't the only person who's leery of the vaccine Trump is trying to rush to market too soon. I won't be taking the shot shit until long after people stop dying from taking a faulty vaccine. That was 2020, September, and that was July 8th. Boom, boom. Here's other ones. Breaking. President Biden just announced that the United States has hit the target of 200 million shots 10 days early. Breaking. After only 76 days, 167 Americans have gotten it. If lies were vaccine shots, Kaylee McKinney would vaccinate, vaccinate the rest of the United States. Today makes two weeks since my wife and I received the second Pfizer shot. That was May 29th, 2021. That's pretty late, really. Our two kids just got their second Pfizer. I'm seeing all the folks getting their first and second shots, and I'm excited about getting mine as soon as possible. Anybody else excited about it? Same people. Which shows you, with these people, everything is politics. It's not the principle. It's not the subject. It's not facts. How can we win elections? Which makes them the most dangerous of fascists. To our woke. Turn it up. Turn it on. Rock it like we fed to the bone. Get on the floor. Running loose. Gotta put these two left feet to you If you need education in the part of scene If you think you can dance with me This ain't no joke Turn up Let's get a walk White men will hunt animals and keep their head as trophies and then turn around and preach that abortion is wrong because life is precious.
Instead of using the typical mom and dad parent titles, there's actually gender neutral and non-binary parent titles that exist. It can be hard for parents within the LGBTQIA community to find a word that they feel comfortable being addressed as by their children. So here are some examples. Dama, Mada, Maddie, Madi, Mapa, Nini, Nopa, Nori, Opa, Pere, Pompom, Zaza, and Zizi. You can find more examples on the website listed above. I would also like to say I cannot believe that 12,000 of you are following me. Thank you so much. I love you. It's a cult, folks. It is the cult of cults. These people are fucking scary. And this Demi Lovato, who's a woke chick, and I don't know what her sexuality is. Blair White's been covering a lot of stuff. Demi Lovato's working with a trans activist who called Little Girls Kinky. Old post resurfaced led show famous trans activist Alak Vad Menon referred to little girls as kinky as well as seemingly excusing sexual assaults against them. She has another one in a second. But this is our mixed bag today. I just mixed them the fuck up. You got Christopher Rufo. New York Magazine reporter Sarah Jones spent three weeks preparing a lazy fact-free hit piece against me. To her credit, however, she did include one accurate quotation. Rufo didn't answer questions when sent him by email, responding instead the New York Magazine is trash. If it stopped publication tomorrow, the world would be a better place. <laughs> but that's who they are. White nationalist. This is Zachary Petzeroff. Uh, imagine attending a political uh, conference that you know you'll hate just to prove your own ridiculous prejudices and diverse, uh, a divisive agenda. Salon Zachary Petrozos went to CPAC. White nationalist gropers, oath keepers, and proud boys are at CPAC currently. And not only are they present, but they are welcomed by organizer. The problem is another journalist did this to him last year. Zachary. What do you think of what do you think about the uh, BLM riots of 2020? Are you asking me questions? Yeah, just asking you. What do you think about them? I don't them? know who you are. I'm sorry. That's fine. I'm just asking you a question. As a member of the media, shouldn't you have a response to this? Years long riot? No, nothing. You have nothing to say. Salon doesn't care about any of that. Salon magazine doesn't care about the BLM riots Salon that happened in 2020. American cities were burned down for an entire year. Black well, Lives Matter and Antifa. Sorry. Yeah, we're asking I mean, you about Black Lives Matter. What do you think? I really don't know who you guys are. It doesn't matter. I you wish I did. I wish I did. Zachary, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a smug bitch. Just answer a question. Like I said, I don't know who you guys are. It doesn't matter. You don't have a response to the question. I don't know who you guys are. Do you so not have a Can you not answer you not a question? Attention? Zachary, literally, you're just, you work for Salon. We're asking Salon reporter an important question. What do you think about the 2020 Violent uprising are you the guy? The are you the guy that was in the Capitol building on January sixth? I was, yeah. No intellectual honesty. They just, they just don't have it. Here's John Laziamo. Critical race theory is my whole reason for being full vid. You sound so fucking stupid, Latinx. LOL, Pinga. Oh, and to get a loan approved, they looked at your credit score, your income based off that, you get approved or not. You can be black with an 800 credit score or white with a 450. Who's getting the loan? 
doesn't matter. It's a cult. It's what they have to do. That's why in our world, Mark Lamarck Hill, she asked me if I think all white people are racist. If only there was a term for judging an entire group of people based only on their skin color. We played it last time. I'm not going to play it again, but you can go on TV and say that. It's okay. Everybody's racist. I can just say it. It's all good. Then they're mixing in shit like this. Filthy Hollywood film with lesbian nuns and Virgin Mary dildos. The name of it is Benedita. You can trash religion. You can have, you know, when I was a kid, it was crucifix and piss. That was okay. But goddamn you, you do something about Islam. Do a test. Go out there and put up a tweet about um I'm gonna get I'm gonna put bacon in a, a mosque and see what happens to you. But in Canada, they're burning down churches. This is a longer version of the one I had before. I didn't catch it. But she has a YouTube, so if you'd want to watch it. My my wife did, so it was pretty bad. Then they go after anybody. So we had Rufo. Lawyer sues Legal Aid Society for discrimination after being attacked for a criticism of critical race theory. None of this would have happened if I just said I love books like White Fragility and I'm a fan of Bill de Blasio, proposal for change in New York public schools, and I plan to vote for Maya Wiley for mayor. The reason they went after me is because I have a different point of view. I'm very open about what I stand for. I'm pro-integration. I'm pro-diversity and also reject the narrative white parents are to blame for the failures of our school system. I object to the mayor's proposal to get rid of specific admission tests to schools like Servant, and I believe that racial essentialism is racist. And shouldn't be taught in schools. But can't do that. Why is the country panicking about critical race theory? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because it's fucking racist? Could that be it? Here's a school doing, wow, reverse the races. And what that means is the following. I just take the average white guy in class, whoever it is. It doesn't really matter, dude. Dude, this guy right here, look, stand up, bro. What's your name, bro? Russell. Russell. Look at Russell here. Russell has, Sean, this is the, I'm making your argument for you, right? Look at Russell right here. Just doesn't matter what he does. If I match him up with the black, a black guy in class or a brown guy even, but let me just stay with a black guy in class who's just like him, has the, the same GPA, looks like him, walks like him, talks like him, acts in the similar way, has been involved in the same groups on campus, is it, takes the same leadership positions, does whatever it is. If I match him up against that person, we send him into the same jobs upon graduation. You've all done, he's done everything he's supposed to do, and the person I match him with has done everything he has been supposed to do. He's supposed to do at Penn State, right? They tell you, right, dude? Do, do it, man. Go see your advisors and go do this and go do internships and do. And if you did this, if Russell did the same things, it's just the next person, somebody else I find in this classroom and they go through four years here exactly together. Russell has a benefit of having white skin. 
Penn State professor pulls a white ang- uh, average white student from the lecture audience, explains that he has an inherent benefit over black students because he's white. Critical race theory strategy teaches the same lessons to K-12 students. This is why it not does not belong in K-12. That yawning kid shares my sedative. At the kid at the 42nd mark with a massive yawn. It's okay. Nothing wrong with doing that, even though it's not true. It's not based on anything. It doesn't matter. We just it, it literally was made just to win elections. This is scientist deletes tweet because word unintelligent reinforces systemic biases. I deleted this tweet because someone called me in on how unintelligent can also be ableist, like an insult of intelligent. It reinforces systemic biases and stigmatizes marginalized groups. Science. One of the worst narrative for us, Facebook execs, feared Trump would win again. David Ginsburg, Facebook Vice President of Choice and Competition, wrote that if Mr. Trump won re-election in November, the media and our critics will quickly point out to his echo chamber as a prima driver of the outcome. Fiji Simo, the head of Facebook app at the time, agreed. I really worry that this could be one of the worst narratives for us. That's why we suppressed him. Amazon employees triggered over book-challenging woke trans ideology. NBC News. At least two Amazon employees have resigned in recent weeks to protest the company's decision to continue to sell a book they say frames young people identify as transgender as mentally ill. If two people quit over anti-religious thing, how would that be carried on NBC News? Seriously, how, how would it be carried? For fuck's sake, two people became news because it's woke. Same team. It's all good. It's all good. It's all about the same team. Which brings us to our This is America. I'm playing it again with a Leonard Nimoy. This is a very old video. At least eight times in the past million years, it has advanced and retreated with clockwork regularity. If we are unprepared for the next advance, the result could be hunger and death on a scale unprecedented in all of history. What scientists are telling us now is that the threat of an ice age is not as remote as they once thought. During the lifetime of our grandchildren, Arctic cold and perpetual snow could turn most of the inhabitable portions of our planet into a polar desert. In 1977, the worst winter in a century struck the United States. Arctic cold gripped the Midwest for weeks on end. Great blizzards paralyzed cities of the Northeast. One desperate night in Buffalo, eight people froze to death in marooned cars. Pat Bushnell was on the road that night. Traffic just absolutely stopped. I was afraid of being stuck in the car all night long with the uh, cold and the wind. 
running out of gas. And then what? I think that if we had to go through a real bad winter, just like we just went through, I think we'd have to think about moving someplace else. Move where? The brutal Buffalo winter might become common all over the United States. Climate experts believe the next ice age is on its way. According to recent evidence, it could come sooner than anyone had expected. At weather stations in the far north, temperatures have been dropping for 30 years. Sea coasts, long free of summer ice, are now blocked year-round. According to some climatologists, within a lifetime, we might be living in the next ice age. Of the nine planets in our solar system, only Earth has conditions favorable to human life. It was very inspiring to see Hanu do something that they, they were not sure they were going to be able to do. I just felt really thankful for Ahanu for creating our family. Oh, I just put it over here. The baby has been able to latch, but I've not been able to produce any milk. It's okay because we're going to supplement the feeding with formula so that my baby's still getting the, the nutrients that they need, but I'm still feeling hopeful. I appreciate you so much for all your work. And I appreciate you also, baby. I played that because those, whatever those supposed to be with the baby and the no biology, this is in charge of our country right now. Those people are awesome. They are Americans. But you put that flag anywhere in your house in your truck, and you're the freak. And the Leonard Nimoy, I, I had to put the Leonard, Leonard Nimoy. I mean, some people that might listen to this show might think I'm totally making shit up that it used to be global cooling. But it was global cooling. So here is our last man standing lighter fare for the day, and we'll close it up. my favorites because he's spot on so what do we learn today well they'll illegally do whatever the fuck they want because as 
Obama said, as long as I have a phone and a pen, I can do what the fuck I want. Fuck the Constitution. And because they they truly believe their bullshit, that everything is a existential threat. Well, they believe they're saving America and the media will pitch it that way. But illegally moving illegals with the military and illegally voting and using that rhetoric that will get somebody killed. We were just told for four years that was bad. But that's them. So fascism is good, as we said last podcast, when they're in charge and they can be authoritarian as fascism as they want to. They can have the FBI spying on you. They can go in your text messages. They can tell you how to pee because they're better than you. They're just much more wiser. You're very stupid. There are parents and we need to do what they say or get re-educated. Yeah. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com for comments, links to all shows. And remember to disconnect from your devices and take a break. I have a new thing. I don't watch Tucker, which is the only show I watch, or Gutfeld till the morning. Because if I go to bed on this stuff, man, it'll freak you out a little bit. Because every time you turn around, it's another crazy thing they're doing that you know would not be okay if there was an R behind the POTUS's name. Thanks for listening, my friends. We're going to do a show on uh, Monday, the 19th of July, year of our Lord, 2021. Wish me luck. I hope I beg this job. It'd be nice to be back working again. Take care.